Greetings, podcast friends. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. This wisdom from above is found in a book, and that book is the Bible. The Bible is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In this ninth season of Wisdom from Above, we're investigating various psalms to find personal guidance, practical advice, and divine insight for the tough issues of life. Today we're looking at Psalm 5, which I call the Shout of a Joyful Heart. This is a Psalm of David. Psalm 3, Psalm 4, and Psalm 5 seem to fit together. Psalm 5 was clearly written in an atmosphere of strife and oppression. It was very likely written during the time David's son Absalom had usurped the throne. David wrote this hymn for others to sing, as he notes it is to the chief musician. Then he adds a rather cryptic note with Nihiloth. We cannot be certain what this term refers to, but it is possible that it is a reference to an ancient woodwind instrument with a sad wailing tone, much like the oboe of today. This sad tone would enhance the feeling which gave birth to this psalm. This psalm is inseparably linked to a time of difficulty and discouragement. We all face days of discouragement. We all have times when we feel like life that God wants us to have is being ripped away from us by unkind people or unfortunate circumstances. I have a friend whose preteen daughter died after a three-year battle with cancer. I have a friend whose business was torched. I have a friend whose son was electrocuted. I have a friend who is being crushed under the weight of his work. Our world is being manipulated and deceived and pushed to the brink. Diseases are being manufactured in labs. Corruption is being covered up. Speech is being censored. Science is being perverted. Pornography is being pushed on our children. Sexual immorality is being promoted in our schools. Marriage is being undermined. Christianity is being mocked and discarded. I've served as a professor at a seminary in Haiti. I think of my dear friends down there who are living in such chaos and corruption. Gangs have taken over the country. Right now, five people are being kidnapped every single day in Haiti. Education is unaffordable for most Haitians. Most Haitians are in survival mode. Often my classes were stopped because of gunfire. Often roads are barricaded with burning tires. On one occasion while I was on campus, seven people were shot and killed. Life is difficult for many people all over the world. Scarcity of food, lack of housing, pollution of water, trafficking of children, imprisonment of pastors, burning of churches, genocide of peoples, censoring of speech, and rejection of Christianity. 
What can we do when our world seems to be under attack? What can we do when the enemy comes against us? Well, let's see what David did. His plea is found in verses 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. You see, David realizes that he needs divine help. David prays. And I want to make three observations about this prayer. Observation number one. David prays in the morning. He says this two times. David didn't try to get through the day on his own strength and then go to God with his burdens at night. He went to the Lord in the morning. First thing in the morning, David went to God in prayer. Observation number two. David's concern seems to be growing. First, he says, give ear. And second, he says, consider. Third, he says, give heed. Three phrases, each parallel with one another, but each growing in intensity. When the chief musician leads this psalm, there would most likely be a crescendo through these lines. There's a holy boldness as David calls on his Lord, his King, his God. There is a heaven, heavy burden. Give ear to my words. Consider my yearnings. Listen to my cry. Observation number three. David is confident that God will hear his prayer. First, he says, I will direct my prayer to you in the morning. Then he says, I will look up. David is expecting an answer to his prayer. David knows God hears and answers prayer. So that is his plea. And then the prayer is found in verses 4 through 11. As David thinks about the day before him and the trouble weighing him down, he thinks about four things. First, what God is like. Second, what he, the psalmist, is like. Third, what the wicked are like. And fourth, what the righteous are like. So we're going to start in verses 4 through 6, where he talks about what God is like. God is a holy God. David writes, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. God takes no pleasure in wickedness. God does not want evil. God is not the author of evil, and God does not encourage anyone to do evil. God takes no pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you, David says. God has no evil in him, so our troubles are not God's fault. Don't make the mistake of blaming God for your troubles. Then David says in verse 5, The the boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all wickers of iniquity. 
the sinner has no footing before God. Absalom had no claim to David's throne. John Phillips notes that Absalom had neither the calling, nor the character, nor the competence to sit on that throne. The boastful and the workers of iniquity shall not stand. They are without excuse. Then in verse 6, David says, You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Absalom had murdered his own brother without repentance or remorse, and he was planning to forcefully take the throne of his father David. But the sinner has no future with God. Those who lie and deceive will be destroyed. Next, David talks about what the psalmist is like in verses 7 and 8. The psalmist is seeking the Lord. What will David do? He says in verse 7, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. He's actually saying, I'll come into your house in need of your multitudinous mercy. David goes on to say, In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. So he comes into the house of God in need of his mercy, and he comes to worship in awe of God's holiness. What is, what, that's what David will do. What does David need? Well, he spells that out in verse 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. This is the heart of David's request. He did not want to stoop to the level of his enemies. He did not want to do things their way. He wanted to do things God's way. He asked him to lead him in his way, in his righteousness. Make your way straight before my face. Thirdly, David talks about what the wicked are like. The wicked are going their own way. While the psalmist is seeking the Lord, the wicked are going their own way. In verse 9, we see what David sees. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. The way of the wicked, well, their words are deceitful. Their words are drawn from their heart and come out of their mouth. There's no faithfulness. And then David says, their inward part is destruction. This wicked heart puts them on a path of destruction. And then David says, their throat is an open tomb. Their words are dangerous. So their words are deceitful. Their path is destructive. Their words are dangerous. That's what David sees. What does David realize? Well, notice in verse 10. Pronounce him guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. You see, David realizes 
that these wicked men are rebelling against God. The wicked are fighting God. They're not just turning against David. They're turning against God, who had appointed David as the king. And David asked God to pronounce them guilty, to let them fall by their own counsel, to cast them out in their sin. Please understand, David was not seeking vengeance. David would withhold his own hand from executing Shimei, who cursed him so violently. David would plead with his generals to spare Absalom, who had rebelled against him and usurped the throne. We need to realize what David realized. An attack upon God's anointed was an attack upon God. David doesn't take matters into his own hands. David turns this over to God. David asks God to deal with these men. And this is a lesson that I think God wants us to learn. You may remember Romans twelve seventeen to 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is what David realizes. He needs to give this over to God. He needs to leave it in God's hands. Ultimately, the deceiver would be deceived. Absalom, the deceiver, would be deceived. And God would deal with him. Next, he talks about what the righteous are like in verses 11 and 12. Verse 11, no foe can daunt the righteous. Verse 12, no, no fear can haunt the righteous. But first of all, verse 11, let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. They can rejoice because they trust in the Lord. And David says, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. They can shout for joy because the Lord defends them. Then David says, let those also who love your name be joyful in you. They can be joyful in the Lord because they love the Lord. So no foe can don him and no fear can haunt him. He says in verse 12, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. They're blessed by the Lord, and they're shielded by the Lord. The key thought in those last two verses is joy. Let them ever shout for joy. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. Remember, David began this psalm in the depths of discouragement. A son had rebelled against him. A leader had abandoned him. He was forced to flee from his own home. Circumstances were dark. Pressures were mounting. But in the midst of all of this, David is talking about joy. 
how, how are you doing? Are you living under the circumstances? Or are you rising above your circumstances? Are you falling down under the pressure? Or are you holding up under the pressure? Are you turning inward in pity and despair? Or are you turning upward in prayer and faith? When the outlook is dark, try the uplook. If you try to fight these battles on your own, you'll not gain true victory. But if you turn to the Lord, you can be victorious. This doesn't mean your troubles will all go away. This doesn't mean there'll be no more difficulties or disease or death. This doesn't mean that there'll be no more hurts or heartache. It does mean that God will sustain you. It does mean that God will strengthen you. It does mean that God will be your shield and refuge. It does mean that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It does mean that God can give you a sense of peace in the midst of panic, a spirit of joy in the midst of heartache. It also means this world is not our home, and we have a guaranteed future of hope and joy and peace and blessing beyond anything we have ever seen with our eyes or heard with our ears or imagined with our minds. My dear friends, you can call on God. You can trust in God. You should love God. You can have joy. Keep looking up. Chris Tomlin put it this way in his song. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the king. Mountains bow down and seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you. Forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Well, that's a wrap on this fifth episode of Season 9 of Wisdom from Above. Thank you so much for making this podcast part of your weekly routine. I hope these podcasts are enlightening and encouraging to you. Please hit that follow button. Give the podcast a five-star rating. Leave a positive review. I'd also appreciate if you would share this podcast with your family and friends. Invite them to listen to this podcast. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, wishing you a great week and God's blessings. Thank you again for joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.